0: Welcome to Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker. I am an author, speaker, and professor of Holy Land Studies at the Israel Bible Center. I am passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. And I really love having geeky conversations with people about new things. This week, I am joined by Dr. Eli Lazorkin-Eisenberg, the founder of Israel Bible Center, and we're talking about his course, The Story of Our Hebrew Father's Joseph Story. Last week, Dr. Lazorkin disabused us of the idea that Joseph was the prefigurement of Jesus, and he mentioned that these final chapters of Genesis should be considered the story of Jacob's kids. If you missed that episode, go back and listen. You can find past episodes on the IBC website or on all the podcast hosts like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast then like or follow this podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. Now, back to the story about the transformation of the lives of Jacob's kids. If you know Ellie, you know that he loves to start a conversation with a story or a joke, even better when those two things are combined. Our talk this week was no different.
1: As I I was growing up in the Soviet Union, um, there was a time when there was um, sort of a prime minister type. He was the, the secretary of the Communist Party that was the president, prime minister type. His name was Leonid Brezhnev. Now, he was actually a truly great guy, a big heart and caring and all that kind of stuff. Brezhnev is sitting in his office like this, and his door is open and pulls out a book from his shelf that he wrote. It's called something like Forsaken Land, like how the Soviet Union basically turned dry wilderness into wonderful paradise with its development. And he's like, well, hmm. Um, So I'm wondering what people think about this book. So this guy's passing by, uh, uh, unofficial, says, wait, 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 Come, come inside, come inside. He says, tell me, have you read my book the Forsaken Wilderness. He's, so this guy starts out by saying, oh, that this is a very important book. Actually, he thinks that for the today's youth of the Soviet Union, this is the most important book that must be read by absolutely everyone. So Brezhnev says, thank you. And so he walks and then another guy passes by. He says, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Come in, come in, come in. He says have you read my, my book? The, 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 and this is how he talked very slow. He's like really towards 80. He's 80. He's like, have you read my book? The, the wilderness, you know, the forsaken wilderness. The man says, of course, as a matter of fact, I am in a rush right now. I have read it two times. I'm running back into, to finish reading my third time. This is why, this is why I'm rushing right now. So, and then the third person comes in, the story more or less repeats itself. And then when the third person leaves, Brezhnev says, look, everyone seems to like my book, The Forsaken uh, Wilderness. Maybe I should read it too. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's, that's a little bit of a story, how, how I forgot what I used to know about <laughs> Joseph and Asana.
0: <laughs> well, I love that you brought her up. Like, I think I knew factually that Joseph had married an Egyptian, but I had never really thought about Ephraim and Manasseh. These are two hugely powerful tribes. They get some of the largest land allotments once they go into the land. They're half African, like half Egyptian. That's amazing. We don't talk yeah, about that. I mean,
1: when, we th- when we say today African, we mean a little bit something different, although Egypt is African, of course. What's interesting is that Joseph is not a tribe.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right? So when Jacob, in a sense, formally adopts Ephraim and Manasseh, and of course what's interesting is uh, even what, what are the names that Joseph gave to his sons that he had with Azan, who who is in the later Jewish tradition, becomes a convert. So I had to read up my own book and said, oh, there's two or three pages about this here. It's just, I wrote it a while back.
0: And it's in your course. So as people listen yes. and they want to be curious and hear more about it, they can take your course, they can read your book to find some of those references.
1: Exactly. Sure. So Joseph gives a name, Menashe or Manasseh and uh, Ephraim. And now the the meaning of this, of this Hebrew words is basically God made me to forget because when, when some incredible offense is done against you, you know, I'm talking about something huge, something like on the level of kidnapping, something big or killing of a family or a loved one, something really big, not stealing something, but something really big like that. It is. I mean, the forgiveness is. I mean, how in the world can you forgive these kinds of things? I mean, how can you possibly live with the person and forgive them? And 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 there is a sense in which God does create human beings with certain ability, not just forgive but also to forget. And Joseph, uh, whose name means the the gathering one, yourself, he's. He's collecting people together. He's not this, he's he's not what we see him earlier in the book of Genesis as, as a divisive, very, very divisive figure who in many ways is responsible for breaking up the family, right? With his uh with his uh dreams and then his, you know, thoughtless behavior. But he's now growing into into um him being what he was meant to be, the gatherer. And so he calls one of his children, Menasheh, referring back to the word that it, it means, basically this sentence means, God has made me to forget. And the second son that he calls uh, Ephraim comes from the word that uh, signifies fruitfulness. Everything in the book of Genesis you will see hearkens back in many ways to the Garden of Eden and then to the first the first humans that are described. The brothers are not their brother's keepers.
0: Mm, Like Cain and Abel. Yeah, Yeah,
1: hearkening back. Reuben, who is deposed in the book of Genesis from its leadership by Judah, who steps up to the leadership, is shown to be as, in a sense, an Adam who failed in his duty. And Judah, then, is shown to be the new Adam. Now, this... Adam, new Adam, Adam, new Adam, keeps going on. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they're they're all are new Adams. And in an imperfect way, in a way that will be then fulfilled fully, brought to full fruition with the Jewish Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah. But still you have this unfolding, you have this imperfect fulfillment of this, of this things that this longings that are this paradise lost
0: have you heard this before about the patriarchs in genesis it's a concept that dr Lazorkin eisenberg develops much more in his course called the story of our hebrew fathers jacob i'll put a link directly to that course in the show notes so if you're anxious to get started exploring those ideas just click on that link
1: Incidentally, this is, this is why, as we read the story, when Simeon is captured, it was its first Reuben, rightfully so, that goes to Jacob. Jacob persists in his uh, bad parenting. is still grieving Joseph. And he is saying to Reuben, Joseph was taken away from me. Simeon was taken away from me. Now only Benjamin is left. You know, now only, what are you doing? You want to take him? And in many ways, we could see Jacob here in this truly, truly, truly fallen state. And I mean here not the Protestant definition of the sin and death. But no, I mean here just that as he, is, he is destroyed as a human being. He is, he is in the in the deepest hole emotionally you can possibly imagine. And so he he refuses. Reuben even tells him, listen, if I don't bring back Benjamin, you know, you can kill both of my children. And part of why the book of Genesis was written was to show why it was Judah that actually rose to prominence and why it is Judah that will lead the family and then the nation of Israel into the future and not Reuben. Why? Because, well, Reuben was a weak leader he he did not he was supposed to defend his brother he did not so it's later judah whose name of course means praise judah steps up and and what does it do he has a he has a talk with his dad and this is where this judah tamar story it comes really into play because his father knows that judah knows what it means to lose children reuben doesn't Judah does, and so he he just says, "Listen, I will do uh, everything in my power to bring back Benjamin. But just in case I'm not succeeding, I will offer myself. I will do. I will. I will give myself. You know how I've spoken about how Christians very often look in Joseph for a type of Christ. And I think if you're gonna look for a type of Christ somewhere, you should look for him in Judah in this part of the story." where he then towards the end of course says let benjamin go i will be your slave and this is when this is when this uh, the uh, joseph is uh, finalizing his understanding that there is a real repentance maybe not among all brothers
0: let's back up a little bit or keep lines of thought a little bit separate because what you've just explained which is really great is that Part of the before and after Tamar, that sequence, if if this whole narrative is really about Jacob's children and the transformation that's happened in Jacob's children, we've now seen before and after Tamar this clarified view of Reuben. He continues to be not the best kind of leader that's going to take over the family line, the eldest brother. We see Judah, who was one way before Tamar, and now he seems to be coming into this wiser understanding of life, and he's changing his behavior and his action. And then we could also say maybe Joseph, we're seeing Joseph change the before and after as well, because Joseph, he's like this little teenage yeah, scoundrel. Everyone. And then through his own suffering, he's yeah. changing.
1: And don't forget, not just not just teenage scoundrel, scoundrel because teenage uh, Scandal. Yeah. We can all relate to. We were all like that once, right? But, but it's the things he did later that were far worse. The kind of things he did to, to the Egyptians, to to others, and then to the Egyptians. He literally enslaved the government under him. Enslaved the Egyptians, not just others to serve the his own national ideas of them. Egyptians suffered unto on, on, on him as well. And, um, and how he goes about setting, setting the, um, the suffering of the brothers. I mean, Shimeon is in, is, is in jail. He's not just kept somewhere, a guest in the house of Joseph while, you know, he's testing the brothers. No, he makes him suffer and he makes him, he makes him pay. And so Joseph needs God's grace and the miracle of forgiveness just as much, just as much as the brothers need the repentance. And actually, this is probably why most people relate to Joseph's story with much emotion is because everyone have wronged everyone and everyone have been wronged by everyone.
0: Is this where we're seeing or or how would you explain then how this idea of forgiveness is playing out when Joseph is interacting with his brothers? When his brothers do come down into Egypt and there's this perpetual ongoing testing of his brothers, what is it that... Yeah. that he's trying to get from these tests because it seems somewhat vindictive on one hand and it seems yeah. logical on the other hand.
1: First of all, he wants—he does not know if they're telling the truth or not about Benjamin. In other words, Benjamin is the only one from his brothers that he, he knows that did not do this to him. He Benjamin is his flesh and blood, not just halfway as they are, they're not they're half brothers and sisters he's the he is a full brother so uh, first of all he want, he wants to know if his brother is is actually is it, that it's actually true what they said he doesn't know he does not know if he's got a brother and if he, their father is alive he doesn't know if they're tricking him By saying we got a brother, well, we got a father, we have to go back, we we have a father. We're all brothers. By the way, what is the reason, what is the the government's accusation, the Egyptian government accusation against them is that they're spies. They have come to take advantage to be sort of the, the foreigner rapists of the wonderful lands of Egypt. And the imagery there is exactly like this in hebrew it's uh it's something like you have come here to to expo- expose our nakedness you know you you came as a foreign evildoer to just get whatever you want and and just leave us you know with nothing and you don't care they're saying no we we can't we can't be this band of spies and bandits you know why very simple, we're brothers. Now, what's the logic? The logic is very simple. This is essentially military operation. Spies never go with several, uh, all family members, because if they're caught, they're basically all caught together. The whole family is gone. No mother or father, Jewish or not, will ever let their children to be spies in one team. It's like not diversifying the portfolio. All risk is in one place. So that's the logic. They're like, we we can't be spies. Everybody knows we can't be spies. We're brothers. As a matter of fact, we got another one. we got to come back to our father. He's, he's suffering as it is. Please don't keep us here. And of course, he wants to know if the father is still alive. He wants to know if his brother is, first of all, he didn't know he had a brother, right? So he now <laughs> finds out he has a brother. So, and I think that in the sort of, I'm using a theological term here, economy of God's providential work to bring about repentance. I think repentance cannot be brought in without the sinners being overwhelmed with something good, with some kind of message of goodness, of coming goodness, such as God's acceptance, or in the case of Joseph, actually God's mercy for preserving old and destroyed and old man, Jacob, and preserving him until the time that he actually sees his son that he thought he lost, right? So God doing those things for Joseph is actually part of God's grace pulling Joseph back and saying, listen, forgiveness and forgetting is a real option here. You can do this. See how good I was with to you. Not only that I was with you, not only that you eventually got out of this and got out of this trouble and that trouble and became a big shot, not only that, but I'm also after your heart. I want you to know that I preserved what's the dearest to you, your father, and I even gave you extra. You actually have a full brother, you know. I, you know, really, I want to cry now as I say this, because it's because um, you know, as a as a human being struggling with whatever negative thing in his life, including you know, overwhelming sense of uh, sinfulness, to know that God is not angry at you, to know that God has done things to um, to do good to you. Is amazing. That is what's going to actually lead a poor sinner to repentance.
0: Is it in this train of thought where when Joseph does meet Benjamin that he just piles his plate full of
1: yes, before the plate, before the plate, remember that when this delegation, probably after maybe more than a year of Shimeon being in the dungeon, succeeds to bring Benjamin to the government officials of Egypt.
0: Right. So now we we bring the Judah story back in. So Judah his transformed character has convinced Jacob to
1: Yeah. to yeah, take
0: just, Benjamin and so now yeah. we get like all the brothers it's, together again. It's
1: Judah, but it's also something else. God is also dealing a a good card to uh Judah here as well because it's not just Judas' argument. It's Judas's argument in conjunction with the famine getting worse and Jacob realizing, well, I can, I can sit in this bitterness of mine and kill everybody else, including my little Benjamin, or we can use this 20%, 10 to 20% possibility of maybe this is, this is going to turn out okay. So somehow... Jacob lets them go, they're, they're they're coming. And that's when Joseph instructs uh, his officials to, to orchestrate the events in such a way that the same exact situation that got him in trouble would be repeated so that he could see if they're now willing to accept it. So what does he do? First of all, when he meets Joseph, the very first meeting and the brothers are shocked He's speaking badly to them, but he's speaking kindly to Benjamin. It's it you know, you kind of read this and you kind of begin to see the emotion, and I think you should ask yourself. You you could almost see that as Joseph spoke to Benjamin, this kind words. Here's his little brother, and he says, "May it be well with you, my son." So. He's tricking so that nobody will understand that he knows that his little brother. And then he's holding up his tears. He runs away and he breaks down crying until he's able to compose himself to come back, right? So then he instructs Joseph to be seated in a particular way that was very strange for Egypt and for Middle East. And that is that he would be placed essentially in, in, in the place of honor where he shouldn't be. Re, really rebuilding and recasting The same situation And then they give The brothers so-so food And they give Joseph the very best food and Do so you mean Benjamin? Brother, you
0: mean Benjamin, right? Uh,
1: uh, what did I say? To give Joseph Yeah, Joseph. Benjamin Of course The the, the <laughs> younger I'm sorry Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be, The little Benjamin um, But Joseph is of course Affiliating Affiliating so much with Benjamin And so did mm-hmm. I So even Reuben Is saying <laughs> I told you, I told you to leave this boy alone back then. This is his blood coming to hunt us. And now they understand they're totally out of control, completely. So, and there is this testings that are going on, testing after testing after testing. Is there any change? Will they now accept another son of Rachel to be the favorite one? And he's, of course, reminding them. He's of course, reminding them about Joseph. And so and so now he needs to see also, are they okay with this now? Have they learned their lessons somehow? And of course, eventually, you know, they do break through to, to him. And that's when Joseph breaks down and says and reveals himself. Ani Yosef in Hebrew. All of this, by the way, probably takes place through a translation. Other than when he switches into Hebrew
0: all of that drama that you just explained, it's quite beautiful and complicated. And then when you add on top of that, when we do finally meet Manasseh and Ephraim, it's another clue yet again in Hebrew that Joseph in the end forgives and forgets. I'm really glad we got to have a follow-up conversation, I think, to really get into some of the really juicy bits of the story of, and I I hope that people now after hearing this episode can agree with you that this is really about a story of Jacob's children and not just Joseph because, There's character development going on all over the place, and we can't miss it because it really does point us towards the continuation of the story, as you very eloquently explained it earlier.
1: And it's important also, I think, um, Cindy, for the hearers to realize that in every course that's part of our um, certificate program in Jewish context and culture, in every course, we go under the translation into the original Hebrew under every course we go under what's uh, how we today interpret the bible to its original meaning to its original context and culture so that this way um, people that are reading the bible can begin uh, to hear the voice of the original author and therefore to hear clearly more clearly the voice of god
0: Thank you for going on the journey with us through the story of Joseph or actually of Jacob's kids. This course and many others like it are a part of Israel Bible Center certificate program in Jewish context and culture. If you click on the link in the notes at the bottom of this episode, it'll take only three minutes for you to enroll in that program. Thanks to Jeremy McDonald with Mason Jar Music for mixing, editing, and crafting all the sounds you hear. And thank you for being curious about the world of the Bible.